We'll read 14 verses. The Apostle Paul writes to the Galatians who are being misled by false teachers who are saying that they're saved by works. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law? Or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For as it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Thus far our reading. We'll turn to 1 Peter. Find that after Hebrews and James. 1 Peter 2. We begin reading at verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is the gracious thing that when mindful of God, 
one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his step. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Before we turn to the preaching of the gospel, let us sing hymn 23, 1, 2, and 3. text for this morning is from our reading in 1 Peter, verse 24. 
he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers, sisters, the gospel is not just about Jesus dying for our sins. The gospel is not summed up with Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins or that he died so that I can go to heaven. The gospel is not a get out of free, get out of jail free card, a free get out of hell pass. The gospel is not a passport to heaven. The gospel is about a new life, a new life in Christ who, though he was the Son of God, was a real human. And as a human, as a man, as a human like you and me, he suffered the ignominy of the cross. Perhaps you know the seven words of the cross seven times. The Lord Jesus spoke while he hung on the cross as he was going to the cross. And there were human words. Human words spoken as he was executed. But words that also show us another way to live, Peter says in our text and in our reading this, after, this morning. So our text today lays out a course of action for God's people. How we should live when under duress. The Christian message acknowledges our inadequacy, our brokenness, our sinfulness. And that same message acknowledges Jesus' adequacy and his wholeness and his sinlessness, and how he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. He dealt with sin by way of a tree. By the way of a tree. The Apostle Peter is addressing slaves here in our text, the underclass, those in society, the underprivileged, in the early church, many of those kinds of people became Christian. Many who were burdened by their place and their status in the world. And Peter, through them, is teaching us today how to live under the burdens of suffering. And the Bible teaches much about suffering. The history of the world is full of suffering. And how can we understand this history? How did all this suffering come about? How did God deal with this suffering? And how will God cure the effects of this suffering? And the answer to those three questions is the same. By way of a tree. And that's our theme this morning, by way of a tree. How did all this suffering come about? 
How did God deal with this suffering? And how will God cure the effects of this suffering? By way of a tree. Our text uses that language. Peter uses the word tree. And that word tree gets us, at least it got me, to think about other trees, three other trees in the Bible, well, maybe four. And Peter here doesn't say what we would expect, that Jesus bore our sins on the cross. The Gospels speak of a cross. Paul speaks of the cross. But Peter here speaks of a tree. Even the word crucifixion has the word cross in it. Crucifixion means to be fixed, to be attached to a cross, a crux. Crux fixed. This is just being nailed to a cross, crucifixion. But Peter tells us that he bore our sins in his body, his human body, on a tree. Why tree? It's useful in interpreting the Bible to ask why this word was used and not another. Why tree instead of cross? I have a Bible dictionary, very interesting Bible dictionary. The words are not alphabetical, but they're arranged by meaning. And it helps when you have a dictionary like that by asking why this word and not that one. Very close in meaning. Maybe a completely different word. And Peter wants us to understand that it's by way of a tree. That the history of God's plan and provision for mankind's redemption moves forward. And it points to our humanness. And to the humanness of our Lord Jesus. Because the use of the word tree here points to human history. Human history. For in the beginning, there was a tree. There was a tree of temptation. The root of all suffering is related to a tree. Maybe you know the story. Children who go to Christian schools know the story. God created man, male and female. He created them good and in his own image. He breathed into Adam the breath of life. Created Eve. Put them in Eden. And in Eden, he planted a garden. And in the garden, in the midst of the garden, in the middle of the garden, he planted a tree. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God said, don't eat from that tree. Don't eat from that tree. If you do, you will die. And the deceiver came and tempted the woman, and she ate from the tree, and she shared it with the man. She gave him from the tree, and he ate. And the rest is history. Death and suffering began. And the Lord pronounced a curse on the deceiver and punishment on the man and the woman. 
And he predicted trouble and strife and pain and sorrow because of sin. So Adam and Eve, our first parents, were expelled from the garden, exiled from the pleasant presence of God in the garden, expelled from paradise. And ever since, ever since, the human race has shared in the sin and the suffering. And the sin and the guilt and the shame and the consequence all share in this. All share. Paul writes in Romans 3.22, all have sinned. Everyone has sinned. And the Lord put cherubim and a flaming sword protecting the way to the garden. Because there was another tree. The tree of life. Which if we ate of it, we would live forever, and that would have been a disaster. For then there would be no way to put an end to sin. But God had a way to restore his good creation. God had a way. It was by way of a tree, Peter says. By way of that other tree, the tree of suffering. The cross of Jesus. And the cross is referred to as a tree in more than one place. Four other times in the New Testament, four other times the cross is called a tree. Peter twice in Acts, Paul once in Acts, and once in Galatians. Peter says to the Jewish council in Acts 5, the God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Peter again to Cornelius in Acts 10.39. We are witness of everything he, Jesus, did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, and they killed him by hanging him on a tree. And Paul, when he was preaching in Antioch in Pisidia in Acts 13, 29, when they carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. And then Paul, writing in Galatians 3 at 13, quotes Deuteronomy 21, 23. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The cross of Christ is the tree of redemption. And when we compare these references in Acts and Galatians and in 1 Peter, we see the meaning. The tree, the tree was a place of a curse. The law-breaking result of sin deserved a curse. God had cursed the deceiver for his lies about the tree and its fruit. It was sweet in the mouth, but bitter to the soul. Pleasant to eat, but bitter consequences. But God withheld his hand of punishment. And in mercy, in mercy, imposed banishment and exile. Alienation, away from the life and the tree of life. But with a promise of hope in the one who was to come. 
for the curse needed to be dealt with. And how was it dealt with? Well, by way of a tree. The tree of the cross. The innocent one. The innocent one was hung on a tree. To be hung on a tree was a disgusting and shameful practice. Deuteronomy 21, 23, the Lord forbids this practice. Victorious armies would sometimes do this, exposing the corpses of their enemies to the elements and the carrion eating birds. It was done to King Saul and his sons by the Philistines. They were hung on the walls of the city of the Philistines. But this was forbidden by God, for cursed is the one who is hung on a tree. So Peter now says to those who are suffering, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example. Peter is speaking especially to slaves here, to the underclass of society, and he's telling them to do good, to live the Christian life, live the Christian life. And if your masters beat you, that's commendable before God. And we can turn our minds to God's people persecuted. In the time of the Reformation, in the time of the Reformation, there were many Reformed churches in the south of the Low Countries, in Flanders. In, in the northern Low Countries, now the Netherlands, they had governments that promoted the Reformed faith, but also tolerated others. But the Flemish states, now Belgium and northern France, the Reformed were persecuted. Guido de Bre, for one, was martyred for his faith and his confession. And these churches called themselves the churches under the cross. Churches under the cross. They imagined themselves carrying crosses on their shoulders going to their own execution for their testimony. That's what it means to bear a cross, to go to your own execution. It doesn't mean bearing some sort of physical suffering, but crucifying the old nature, confessing the new, and being willing to suffer and die for it. Christ gave us the example. He's very human. The Lord Jesus Christ was very, he was completely human. Though he was the son of God, he was completely human. And he gives us an example. Committed no sin. No deceit in his mouth. They hurled insults, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Imagine what he could have done. Imagine what he could have done. He is the very word of God who brought all things into being, John tells us in chapter 1 of his gospel. But instead of responding with vengeance, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly, Peter tells us. And he bore in his body, his human body, he bore in his human body the sins of his people. And he carried them to the tree. Not the tree of temptation, but now the tree of redemption. He died so that we too might die. That we might die to sin. 
He bore the penalty of sin, the curse of sin. He became a curse for us, Peter Paul writes in Galatians 3, that we might be free from the power of sin. And Paul reiterates this in, in Romans 6. He says, we've died to sin. We've died to the dominating power of sin. And we're alive to God. We can make progress in the Christian life. You can make progress in the Christian life. We're being made alive to righteousness. He went to the tree of redemption that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. Paid the penalty for sin. That we might be free from the power of sin and live for righteousness instead. He did not just bear the penalty of sin. Yes, he bore in his body, his human body, he bore in his human body the penalty for sin. <clears throat> but by de doing this, he broke the power of sin. That we too might die to sin and live for righteousness. Maybe better we say, having, we having, having died to sin might live to righteousness. We having died to sin, something that has already happened. Not that there's a possibility for us that we might die to sin sometime in the future. But Peter says that we have already died to sin. Paul says we have already died to sin. Sin no longer has a dominating power over our lives. Making it possible to live a new life in Christ. When Jesus in his human body died on the cross, on the tree. We died with him. We were united with him in his death. When he died to sin, when sin's curse was laid upon him, we died with him. The penalty paid hung on a tree, a cursed death. But when he rose from the dead, we rose with him. Freed from the penalty and freed from the power of sin. And Peter says that now Christ's saving claim is laid upon us. We were like wandering sheep. And now we can return to the care of the good shepherd. The one who is gathering in his own. For there is yet one more tree. The tree from Paradise Park from Eden's garden. That tree shows up again three times in the book of Revelation. At 2 verse 7, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And then at the end of the book, at 22, 1 and 2, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And then at 22:14, blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have right to the tree of life and may go through the great gates into the city. 
The first reference in Revelation at 2 verse 7, Jesus, the Lord Jesus, through John, is speaking to the church at Ephesus, the church that's under duress and suffering. And to those who endure duress and suffering, blessing. And how does this blessing come? By way of a tree. Fruit from the other tree in paradise. The tree of life. This is the new city, the new Jerusalem, the paradise of God. A new garden, and now the garden is city with rivers. Just like the first paradise. But now different. With streets. And through the city street, a river. And on the banks of the river, trees on both sides. I envisioned a shady boulevard with trees that have fruit to pick and eat all year round. And this fruit, too, is sweet to taste, sweet in the mouth, and sweet to the soul. For there all those who have a right to eat may enter, all who wash their robes at the foot of the other tree, the tree of redemption, all who seek refuge in Jesus and in the confession of his name, for here there is freedom not only from the penalty of sin, not only from the power of sin, but from the very presence of sin. By the power of the cross of Christ, the tree of redemption, God has abolished the power of the tree of temptation. That was paradise lost. But now a new paradise is coming. A restored tree of life with fruit of eternal life and leaves for healing. This tree symbolizes the complete renewal of life. Fruit to sustain, leaves its pulses to heal wounds. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, no suffering, and no curse. Imagery to describe realities beyond comprehension. So how did God deal with the effects of suffering? By way of a tree. The tree of life, fruit every day, and healing for the world. All suffering over the penalty paid, the sin's power broken, and the very presence of sin banished. So the gospel is this, and the call today is this. In the living hope of the resurrection, there is final healing for God's people. Now not by the hands of Jesus, but by his wounds. Christ's wounds heal suffering at the very root cause, sin. Not only do his wounds plead our case in the final judgment, they transform our present suffering. No longer is suffering a bitter legacy of the first tree. It has become the fellowship and the suffering of Jesus on the second tree. The pain that remains in life is no longer the penalty for sin. No, Christ has done that already. The penalty has been paid. Rather, it's Christ calling the church, calling you, calling me to follow in his footsteps. He has given us an example 
on how to live the Christian life. And that might mean suffering for his name. The apostles, after telling the Sanhedrin that they had killed Jesus by hanging him on a tree, how did the Jewish council respond? They beat them. They were flogged. And what did they do? What did they do? They went their way rejoicing because of persecution. That they had been counted worthy of suffering for the sake of the name. They understood. They understood. They preached that sin came by way of a tree, or the tree of temptation. And they preached that God had dealt with sin by way of a tree, the tree of redemption. And they looked forward to enjoying the very presence of God by way of a tree, the tree of eternal life. The gospel message this morning is not simply Jesus died on a cross to pay for my sins. No, the gospel message is that he paid the penalty, broke the power, and finally will banish the presence of sin, curse, and death. The gospel message is this. Christ in his suffering has shown us the other way, another way, the way of joy in the midst of suffering, of trusting in the one who judges justly, of trusting the Father that he has given in his Son the way of redemption and restoration by way of a tree. Let's sing about that with hymn 23, 4, 5, and 6.